Hey everybody, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Four String Sports Podcast. We are continuing our team previews and we're talking about the Detroit Lions. The Lions last year um, started the season off exactly how everybody expected the Lions to start the season off. One and six, but they they turned it around, they finished nine and eight, and now there's a lot of hype around Detroit. More hype than I think there's been in quite a long time, but let's let's start with 2022. Let's start with how the season went for Detroit last year. They started the year out with a tough loss to the eventual NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles, 38 to 35. Turned a couple people's heads. They followed up the next week with a win against Washington, but then they lost five in a row with losses to Minnesota, Seattle, a 29 to nothing loss to the Patriots. Had a bye week. Followed up with a 24 to 6 loss to Dallas before losing to Miami. They were 1 and 6, and then it all turned around. They beat Green Bay at home, beat Chicago, beat the Giants to get to 4 and 6, lost a tough game, only three point loss to Buffalo. They then rattled off three more wins against Jacksonville, who made the playoffs, Minnesota, who made the playoffs, and the Jets before they got ran over by Carolina, dropped to 7 and 8, but closed the season out with two more divisional wins against Chicago and Green Bay to finish the year 9-8. and eight. Jared Goff had himself a season, played all 17 games, 4,400 yards, 29 touchdowns, 7 interceptions. The team was led in rushing yards by Jamal Williams, as well as rushing touchdowns at 17. DeAndre Swift also added about 500 rushing yards, 5 to, uh, rushing touchdowns. They were led in receptions by Amon Ross St. Brown, as well as yards and touchdowns, 1,000 uh, sorry, 106 receptions, 1,161 yards, six touchdowns. DeAndre Swift had three touchdowns. Brock Wright had four touchdowns. Shane Zilstra had four touchdowns. Um, they traded TJ Hawkinson midseason with, when they were at their worst, and it looked like that was a bad choice on their part, but some other guys stepped up. And defensively, we got to see some real promise um, out of guys like Kirby Joseph, who had four interceptions. Rookie Aiden Hutchinson had three the team was led in sacks by Aiden Hutchinson at nine and a half. James Houston, who was an undrafted free agent, uh, came in and had eight sacks on the year. But statistically, their defense was largely a reason the team struggled when they did. Mitch, looking at Detroit in 2022, what what stood out to you? What were your thoughts on the Lions? The 2022 season is kind of like the – you see why they the Detroit Lions uh, front office and ownership are so high on bringing uh, Dan Campbell in. You're finally seeing the results of uh, what he can do. I mean, it was obviously it was tough at first. It was going to be a, a longer rebuild, as we know. You know, they weren't good right away. But even though they didn't make the playoffs, this is obviously uh, an amazing first step for this team. I mean, just kind of looking at it, I have to eat crow about Jared Goff. Uh, you know, I thought he was going to be more of a – uh, a bridge gap or a quarterback they had to bring in just to get rid of Matthew Stafford. But the way that he's been playing for Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions really looks like he can, he's going to be the guy for a while uh, for how amazing he's played. Uh, it was awesome to see Jamal Williams have the season that he did over a thousand yards, 17 touchdowns. That's amazing. Um, the, you know, Amon Ross St. Brown continues to get better and better each year, really becoming into his own and looking like a legit number one wide receiver. Um, and the defense, I thought, showed, uh, you know, they took those steps forward. Obviously, the, what really held them back was the pass uh, defense in the quarterback room. I think it was the uh, – I think they were, like, last in pass defense. Um, yeah, last so, in yards given up. Yeah, so obviously that really killed them and probably kept them from – going into the playoffs last year, which is crazy to, to think about. Uh, you know, if we were to think about where we were going into the season, just thinking that being a possibility. So, you know, last year was an awesome uh, year for Detroit Lions fans, and it's understandable why they're so hyped going into 2023. Yeah, um, I think Detroit not having, like, you know, double-digit losses – on a season really just kind of kind of makes makes everything a little bit better. I mean, usually in the past couple of seasons we've been they've been having to, you know, try to find um the silver linings really to try to kind of figure out what what you could be hopeful on. And this season actually gave them hope. I think it was um when Dan Campbell first got hired, I think we were all kind of questioning it. I mean they were hiring a tight ends coach from New Orleans to come in and be their head coach guy that didn't have any head coaching experience. We didn't know exactly what he was going to be doing. Well, no, um, he was the interim um, in Miami. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, he was the interim in Miami for a little bit, yeah. Um, well, we still we still had no idea what kind of guy he was going to do, and I think after that first press conference, um, we were all sold on what on yeah. what Dan Campbell could do. He came in, did his first press conference, and we were like, okay, let's go to Detroit. And then and Hard Knocks. And then Hard Knocks. Hard Knocks was hilarious. Um, I I I really hope the Jets lives up to that. I don't think it will, but I hope. Um, you but but the thing but like going into Hard Knocks. Like watching it before the season started, you could see how much fun this team was having. You could see that the kind of culture that Dan Campbell was bringing into Detroit was not only just kind of, um, you know, tough, physical, violent kind of play styling, but these people, the but his players had fun and they wanted to play for Dan Campbell. I mean, look, we talk about like having a leader that you would run through a wall for. I can I think you could say that for most of the players that they that they would run through a wall for Dan Campbell. And so that kind of culture he's been instilling, we're now seeing the results on the field. Yes, they had some problems specifically in that secondary. It really needs to help. Jeff Okuda never lived up to the hype um as the third overall pick. He never did. He played great in college and just has not lived up to it and was part of the reason why they had such a bad secondary there. Um but we can look at, you know having Panay Sewell and some of these guys on the front uh, on that offensive line, Panay Sewell played great this last season. Um, you look at the defensive line, it's doing amazing kinds of things. We were seeing that how they were able to be punishing um, against some of these teams. I mean, that we look at that last, um, that last game against Green Bay and we can see how physical they were in Lambeau field um, with, with playoffs in the line. They, they out physical Green Bay, which is something that we can't say Detroit has done in the past. Um, Jamal Williams had a, had a great year, um, had like what, 17 touchdowns mm-hmm. from scrimmage, um, was able to do amazing kinds of things, uh, with them. Uh, so like, so for the first time, yes, they still had a losing season and there's still a lot of things that they need to work on, but I, as just a passive fan and like a guy that decide that I don't pick sides in the NFC North, it's like my neutral zone. It's my Switzerland. I just too many family connections up there. Um, I was glad to see Detroit, be competitive, not only just in the NFL in general, but in the North, competing against Chicago, competing against Minnesota, competing against Green Bay. Um, so yeah, I bought into Detroit. I think that they're. I think that what they've done, what they did last year, is amazing, and I hope it continues this next year. Um, but there's still a ton of work to do, especially on that uh, on that that quarterback position. I think Jared Goff did amazing. Now he just needs to take that step further. Um, what are they going to do at the tight end position now that they don't have? Um, TJ Hawkinson. Yeah, TJ Hawkinson. Um, who's going to step up besides Amon Ross and Brown on that wide receiver? How do you fill the goal of Jamal Williams at that running back position? They did some things in free agency and in the draft that could work out in their favor. Um, how does that secondary develop? Because if that secondary develops and can actually, you know, not be like just go back to average again, that's something that I I, I say every so often is can you just get it back to average? If that secondary gets back to average, like we said. They're a playoff team last year. If they get back to average, they could win the division and compete this year. Um, so can they do that? We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, there's, you know, I, I've said it so many times before. Um, being dominant in your division can make up for so many other things. You know, this is a team who went five and one in division and five and seven against the division against anybody who's not in their division. By virtue of being so dominant in division, they lost their first divisional game against Minnesota by four points, had come from behind wins against Green Bay at the end of the year, against Chicago. They beat Minnesota, you know, sweeping both the Bears and Packers, splitting the series in Minnesota was a huge reason Detroit was even in the conversation. And it is crazy to think about the statement could have been true that the Detroit Lions were in the, in the, the playoffs and also had the worst passing defense in the league. Like that's that's an insane thing. You don't you don't say that. You know it happens every couple of years, every once in a blue moon. It's happened to the Green Bay Packers back about a decade ago. But with how bad this Detroit team was back in like 2011, 2012, man, we had a terrible passing defense. Um, with how bad this defense was, and it, it wasn't necessarily just against the pass. They also weren't great against the rush. When you look at them. 21st in rushing attempts, 29th in yards given up, 29th in touchdowns given up, 30th in yards per attempt given up. They, they they struggled as an entirety on the defensive side of the ball, but they were young. 
They were getting into each other. They, they knew where they needed help, but it was about developing the guys that they had drafted, Aiden Hutchinson, Malcolm Rodriguez, guys like James Houston who really stepped up for them, um, pieces in that secondary. Like It was all about that. The other point where there's a little red flag for the Lions here, three and six against teams who made the playoffs last year. That number is going to have to improve. If Detroit really is as good as the hype is saying, that number's got to got to improve. But I was, I mean, I was fascinated by them on Hard Knocks. I loved what I saw. I loved the culture. I loved the enthusiasm. You know, it's it's hard for me as a Packer fan to like admit to to wanting to root for any other NFC North team. But Detroit is a team they've been beaten enough um, that that they they're allowed to have a couple of good years here. Um, uh, uh, Jared Goff. Fantastic season. Only sacked 23 times last year. Like absolutely crazy that for an offensive line who the last couple of years we've looked at and gone, okay, you know, it's a little, it's a little iffy to only get sacked 23 times is crazy. And it is also one of those things where like, we all forget when Jamar Chase was drafted that the lions also got Penny Sewell. Like it was, it was one of those moments where everybody looked at Cincinnati and went, what are you doing? How are you going to throw the ball to Jamar Chase if you don't have somebody blocking for Joe Burrow? Right. To reclassify, Brady thought that. No, that was that was was a shared opinion across a lot of different people. I thought it was a great. It was whether or not cilantro tastes bad, man. It was a 50-50 shot as to (laughs) what people's opinion on it was, right? But what's crazy is like in the mix of that, Detroit got Penny Sewell and then found out later on that they got a great young wide receiver and I'm in Ross St. Brown as well. So, like, I mean, the rich just uh, – that's really the difference with what Detroit's been doing lately is that you can look at their draft classes, and we may have some opinions on this upcoming one that we'll talk about, but you can look at some of their most recent draft classes, and we can say, wow, these guys have really hit it out of the park in terms of, like, development and what these players can do, maybe seeing things other teams can't. Um, Defensively, there's a lot of good statistics that are out there, like the individual statistics, but as a whole, Detroit did not play good defensively and is definitely something that's going to improve. However, I will say it's a lot easier to make a better defense over one season than it is to make a better offense over one season. So let's take a look at some of the pieces that Detroit gained and lost throughout the season. Some guys we've already talked about, DJ Shark, goes to Carolina. Jeff Akuda goes down to the Falcons. Jamal Williams goes to the Saints, um, uh, a guy that we'll talk about. They also traded DeAndre Swift on draft night to the Eagles there. So number one and number two rushers from last year off of the team. Um, they uh, lost a couple of other pieces kind of throughout, but in terms of gains, um, also very active for Detroit. They brought in Graham Glasgow, uh, the right guard from the Broncos, Marvin Jones uh, from the Jacksonville Jaguars, who he's now back with Detroit, which is cool. Emmanuel Mosley, Cam Sutton, uh, Jalen Revis Maben, Denzel Mims, Jermaine Effetti, um, uh, Chauncey Gardner, uh, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, Riley Patterson, a lot of names that Detroit brought in. So Mitch, looking at their free agent gains and losses, what stands out to you? Yeah, for me, looking at the losses, I really only see two. I I think Jamal Williams obviously is uh, is going to be a big loss for them, uh, not just because of the production that he's been able to show, but I feel like he, he was one of the uh, players that they brought in to really help set the culture for the Dan Campbell era. So it's very uh, disappointing to see him uh, being lost. And then I think Michael Brockers uh, could be a bad uh, loss for them just because Without him, I feel like the defensive uh, tackle position is still kind of in flux right now, and there's really no uh, known quantities for what you're going to get production-wise. Uh, but for their games, I mean, they brought in a lot of talented people. Uh, you know, the two secondary pieces that I like the most, uh, you know, obviously C.J. Gardner-Johnson, we've seen what he's been able to do for the last how many years now, whether it's with the New Orleans Saints or with uh, Philly last year. And then Cam Sutton. Uh, we talked about uh, last uh, episode, you know, last year for the Steelers, 43 tackles, three picks, 15 pass breakups, and uh, only allowed 51% of completed passes on him. That's the kind of production that they're going to need to take that step forward and not be last in uh, yards given up. Um, and then uh, bringing a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, I think is a smart play for them at the backup uh, quarterback position. Uh, obviously one of the better uh, backup quarterbacks in the league, 
And then uh, bringing, bringing back Graham Glasgow after he's been in Denver so long, I feel like at the right guard position really solidifies that line. And from left tackle to right tackle, I think Detroit now has one of the better offensive lines in the league. Yeah. Um, in terms, I, I mean, I don't really see the – but, yes, they have losses. You can look at, you know, losing both – both your leading rushers as something where it's you're gonna have to find that production somewhere. I think they'll be able to do that, uh, but I think that their gains are just kind of more. Like just being honest, like Cam side getting Cam side and Chauncey Gardner Johnson Jr. to come in and play um, defensive back it, it immediately just makes your defensive back feel better. Like it is, it is like you will. Yes, you lost Jeff Akuda and Mike Hughes. They were productive. They were part of that bad of that bad uh past defense. Getting Cam Sun, who we talked about as a loss for the Steelers, and then getting Chauncey Cha- Chauncey Gardner Ju- Cha- Chauncey Gardner Johnson. God, that's a big name. Um, who was part of a very productive Philadelphia Eagles defense to come over. That helps your secondary immediately and makes them better. Um. And Jamal Williams, I do I do view as a loss, but also getting I um but you uh also get Emmanuel Mosley from uh the 49ers who should be able to help on the back end too. Um you're looking at, you know, we talked about trying to get more production besides just Amon Ross St. Brown. You get uh Denzel Mims from the Jets and you got you brought in uh, Marvin Jones from the Jaguars. Now Marvin Jones is, you know, 33. Um, but there is still some. He still played uh two thirds of the snaps at, at Jacksonville last year, and so there. And uh, Denzel Mims um has had you know he was a good young player at a time that we thought he could produce something at at the Jets, and so those are two guys that you know could step up and 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 fill that role. And then the big one that that was the signing um was David Montgomery coming in from the Bears. Um, if he can stay healthy, he can be a very very productive halfback for them. Um and and fill that fill that hole of Jamal Williams and DeAndre Swift in terms of rush rush production and being able to um uh get some good carries in. Um all in all I think that they they got players at, at positions of need and they definitely improved that secondary which had which was a big goal. It was something that you had to do this offseason. So yeah, I mean, I'm going to make a bigger deal out of the running back losses here. Like, let's look at it. Let's break it down statistically, boys. They lost about 1,600 of their total 2,100 team rushing yards from last year and 22 of their 23 rushing touchdowns. They drafted Jameer Gibbs, which we'll talk about. They brought in David Montgomery. They're definitely going to get some of that production back. But that's an incredible amount of production that you lost. You lost the equivalent to about 100 rushing yards and about one and a third touchdowns per game in terms of who you traded and who you let walk in Jamal Williams. Now, was Jamal Williams' 17-touchdown season a fluke? Was it because so many of them were within one, two, or three yards? You know, look, take it however you want, right? But it's a ton of production that you lost. Um, I, I look at the guys that they signed in the secondary, um, and, and I really I do like those picks. Um, those pickups could have been Emmanuel Mosley, Cam Sutton, um, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, um, great players, but all players who have been coming from areas where they've been surrounded by other really good players, whether it was guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, um, guys that we saw last year step up for the Niners and like uh, 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 Hufango or Fred Warner or some of the other secondary and great defensive line that they had. Um, or with Philadelphia, great defensive line. He gets to play across um, and with the help of guys like Darius Slay on the other side. Detroit doesn't have a single piece on their defense that I think is as good as any of those other guys that I've named just now. However, I think as a whole, the three of these guys are are a lot better than what Detroit had and really can step up. I, I don't necessarily think they have any sort of a superstar any sort of a complete lockdown guy, but as a whole, that secondary has gotten a lot better. What I really like was signing both Graham Glasgow and Jermaine Ifietti, because right now your starting guard, uh, Halapuli Vitae, missed all of last season. So he's coming in off of a year of not playing. He's going to be your projected guard. He was a big free agent you would sign from Philadelphia a couple of years before. And let's say he's not good to go. He's not 100%. Well, 
I've got a fantastic guard in Graham Glasgow that I can either that I can plug in, or if Glasgow was the one starting, I can keep Vitae on the bench and I can put him wherever I need him. And I brought in Jermaine Effetti, who's a uh, a pretty decent uh, tackle who can play either side of the ball. He's not going to win you games. He probably shouldn't lose you games either. Um, You know, all in all, I I think it was a really solid free agent period for Detroit. And I like the deals that they made. I like that we don't, we're not seeing these five, six year contracts that are, 75 80 90 million dollars that are getting signed detroit is still kind of walking into a little bit of an intermediate period and they're signing these guys to two or three year contracts that are team friendly to release after a year or two if the direction of the team goes in a different way and that they can open up and have access to cap space that detroit has not been using really the last couple of years um so all in all i think it's a i think it's a really solid um free agent class out of out of detroit now, let's move on to Detroit's draft. They had two first-round picks this year. They had moved back early in the draft um, with someone, Houston, I think. Um, and then they moved back up. Um, so they picked at number 12 where they took Alabama running back Jameer Gibbs. They also turned around and drafted at number 18 where they took Iowa linebacker Jack Campbell. In the second round, number 34 overall, they took uh, Iowa tight end Sam Laporta. Um, they also, in the second round, took safety Brian Branch out of Alabama. In the third round, they took uh, Tennessee quarterback Hendon Hooker, so back up to, to Jared Goff now stepping in there. Um, they also took Broderick Martin, the defensive tackle out of Western Kentucky. In the fifth round, they took offensive tackle uh, Colby Soresdale from William & Mary. And in the seventh round, they took wide receiver Antoine Green out of North Carolina. Um, so couple of, you know, two first-round picks, two second-round picks, um, addressing both sides of the ball in both situations there. Mitch, how do you grade the Detroit Lions draft class? My stance on the Detroit Lions uh, draft class has uh, softened a little bit since uh, draft night uh, from some of my critiques. Uh, I wasn't a big fan of them taking Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell in the first round. Uh, I don't think they're bad players at all. It's just the more of a draft value. Uh, Jameer Gibbs did have a solid season at Alabama, but I don't know if the combination of him and David Montgomery is better than Jamal Williams and uh, DeAndre Swift. It remains to be seen. Um, but out of this draft class, I do like the two Iowa players that they brought in. Jack Campbell, like I said, not in love with the draft position, but I think he could be a good player for them. Last year at Iowa, 125 tackles, five and a half for a loss, a sack, a four swimmer, and two picks. Uh, I feel like uh, – um, he could be a really solid stalwart uh, middle linebacker for them for the next how many years. So he's definitely going to make the defense better. And then getting Sam Laporta, we talked about it. They you know got rid of TJ Hawkinson last year to the Vikings. Um, so they're going to need more uh, talent at the position, even though Brock Wright was able to basically uh, fill in the position for what TJ Hawkinson produced last year. But uh, 58 catches – almost 700 yards of touchdown. Uh, I think that's more of uh, the shitty quarterbacks he's had to play with at Iowa than him personally. I think that uh, getting to play with Jared Goff, you're going to see why so many people wanted to uh, draft him in the second round and a new good production at the tight end position just to make that uh, offense more deadly. Brian Branch is a great uh, depth piece for them in that secondary. And then ending up here, I think is a very interesting quarterback. Uh, we saw the potential last year, but he is older and coming off in um, uh, a pretty serious injury. And uh, with them now signing Teddy Bridgewater, it's going to be interesting to see when he's going to be able to get snaps. Because I don't know if they're ever going to see a return on that investment, just given the factors that I said. And then they got some solid depth pieces. Um, uh, the reason why it's at a B plus is just, like I said, because of the draft value of the first two picks. Um so yeah. Tyler, what's your grade? Uh it's also a B plus. So Mitch, high five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Um I I understand draft value and like I, I I'm gonna go on a mini rant because like I understand draft value. I understand why you don't want to draft a running back in the first round because you can get a quarterback, you can get an offensive lineman, you can get wide receivers um play uh positions of more important that have a longer longevity in the NFL and you can get those guys for you know four or five years. 
um, depending or you know, four years with the possibility of a five year. That being said, if you need a running back and you feel like a running back is good enough to go in the first round and you're going to pick them, I'm not going to fault you for it. Um, Jameer Gibbs was basically Alabama's offense since last year. Um, he either running the, running the ball as a receiver. Um, he was their big transfer um, addition from Georgia Tech. Um, I remember how much of a big, big of a loss it was for Georgia Tech to lose Jameer Gibbs when he decided to come to Alabama. Um, the guy is great out of the out of the backfield. He is a he is a good runner. Um, at times when uh, Bryce Young, when the wide receivers weren't really um, doing anything at Bama, the ball went to Jameer Gibbs. I mean, I think when, when they were playing Tennessee, we all knew where the ball was going. It, it was going to him to try to figure something out so that they could win that game. And so I think that getting Jameer Gibbs in, I think that he can do a lot for this team. And I think that him and between him and uh, David Montgomery, I think the two of them do similar things. Um, and I wouldn't say that they're a better duo than DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams because of, you know, they have more, those two have more experience. And so it, it's still going to, like, you're taking more of a gamble when you're taking Jameer Gibbs at 12. And so I do understand why there's a low grade on it. Um, Jack Campbell, I thought it was a great pick. I think Jack Campbell fits exactly the kind of, um, uh, culture, uh, hard-nosed football player, tough, violent, um, those kinds of things um, that you want. in uh, inside linebacker, he is that. He's going to fill that role. He's going to fill that niche, and it's a position of need. They needed linebacker help. They got Jack Campbell. Sam Laporta, um, that one will knock just a little bit because Michael Meyer – or, yeah. Michael – no, Michael Mayer – oh, was he – hold on. Yeah, Michael Mayer was still available at 34. Yeah, because he went to the Raiders. Yeah, Michael the Mayer – The very or, next pick. Yeah, Michael Mayer was still available, so you could have picked him from Notre Dame. He's the better, like, pure like pure tight end. But Sam Laporta is definitely the better, like, physical tight end, like run blocking, things like that. And so I think that's part of the reason why they went with him over Michael Mayer. Um, he can't – and I agree with Mitch. I think that his, his stats are – you need to color that with the fact that he played at Iowa and the quarterbacks at Iowa are not the best and have never been known for his best. Uh, Brian Branch as a safety, I think that was a definitely um a, that could definitely be a steal. I mean, we're seeing what his counterpart was doing at Cincinnati um this uh this last preseason game. And so I think adding again, adding to that defensive backfield, you need that Brian Branch who can go up and get hits, can play in the box if you need him to, um, is also good in in coverage. So like fills a position of need. And then Hendon Hooker, I think well, it might have been Brady that said that this was a perfect spot for him. Um, in terms of the fact that, you know, he's not expected to start right away, um, but you can get Jared Goff for another year or two. Hennon Hooker can come in and he can be productive. It allows him to heal. It allows him to get ready for, for filling into that spot. I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is a guy that in two years you're going to want Teddy Bridgewater to come in. Hennon Hooker has that ability to come in after two years and kind of st- – and, and be a potential starter. I mean, we saw the talent that he had. We saw how well he played this last year. Um, and – He's yeah, knocks on him are he's older and that he's coming off an injury. But I think if he can heal from that injury relatively well, um, he can play really, really, really well for this team, um, moving forward. And so that's kind of securing the future at that quarterback position for them that we've kind of been wondering what they were going to be doing the last couple of seasons after they traded for Jared Goff. So, in all, I give it a B. Plus. It, there's some there are similar hits that I'll take on it. Um, you know, you did need getting some uh maybe giving a defensive back or somebody else in the first round or this uh with one of the first round picks might have helped you a little bit more but i do think jameer gibbs and jack campbell can be productive for you um moving forward so b plus so i i actually kind of just give it a flat b um i like who they drafted i do i like who they drafted i don't love when they drafted them for me, four of your first five picks were all reaches. Um, and I think that I think really the only one that wasn't was Brian branch um, at 45 overall. Um, you know, I, again, the thing that I worry about with teams is when they really go all or nothing on that wide receiver or on like any sort of single positions, um, performance the way that Detroit is with the running back room 
you're hoping that David Montgomery, who never really got a fair shot in Chicago to be a consistent running back, is going to step in. And you're hoping that Jameer Gibbs and his speed and his ability is something that's going to make him super successful in the NFL, um, which is not a universal truth across the board, right? Taking a running back 12 overall with everything that's happened here is is a really tough thing for me to rationalize. And I know that Detroit had it in their head that somebody else was probably going to run up and grab him. And I think Detroit maybe got scared by where Atlanta grabbed Bijan Robinson. And that's what caused them to maybe pull the trigger on taking Jameer Gibbs. Um, but I don't, I just don't love taking a running back number 12. I think you're paying him a lot of money. You're putting a lot of resources into, into that. You're putting yourself into a, a harder contract um, for a position that is unfortunately so um interchangeable in the NFL. Jack Campbell, I also thought was a reach. I think he had the potential to be a uh, first round pick. Um I think he had to go to a system that would really help teach him um being a linebacker. I think Detroit fits that system. I wouldn't have taken him 18th. Sam Laparta, um listen, we know the history of Iowa tight ends. TJ Hawkinson, we've talked about a couple of times on this. Noah Fant, George Kittle, um who is the old Colts tight end? Dallas Clark? Is that who I'm thinking of? Um, you know, like Iowa has produced some really good tight ends. And Sam Laparta is, is absolutely up there. This was absolutely a position of need for Detroit. In my opinion, though, I also would have taken Michael Mayer. Brian Branch, I think, is a solid pick. I think is an exceptional pick. Hendon Hooker. This is where I have to sort of contradict Skyler a little bit. When they drafted him, I loved Hendon Hooker to Detroit for all the reasons Skyler said. Then they signed Teddy Bridgewater. And my problem with them signing Teddy Bridgewater is it means one of two things. Either Hendon Hooker isn't as good to go as hoped, right? His injury is a little bit worse than we expected, or it's taken him a little bit longer to recover, or he has recovered and he's not showing what we saw at Tennessee. Or um, he's just not developing the way that they want. Like he's he didn't come into the training camp looking good. They didn't necessarily think that he was as up to par as they thought taking him in the third round. And when I look at a list of other guys that they could have taken in the third round, wide receiver guys like uh, Jalen uh, Hyatt, uh, Nathaniel Dell, um, linebacker with guys like Demarion Overshawn, uh, um, defensive end, tight end, safety, corner. Like there's a lot of other positions I think Detroit could have gone in quarterback very early in the third round. And if they were that confident in Hendon Hooker, I think he still would have been available come rounds five, six, and seven. Like there was a huge bath on quarterbacks there. And I, I think Detroit actually kicked off a run on quarterbacks by taking Hendon Hooker because other teams didn't think quarterbacks outside of the top four would be going that early. Um, so I give it a B all in all. Um, you picked up some some additional depth pieces across the board. You did grab a wide receiver in the seventh round. I'm happy with that. Um, probably would have liked to see a little bit more help on that defensive tackle side of the ball. I maybe would have liked to see them take that in the third round over a quarterback. But all in all, I think it's a really solid pick. Um, again, I like the guys that they drafted. I just don't necessarily like where they drafted them. I think if Detroit had their hearts set on those guys that way, they could have traded back, gotten more draft capital because they're not a team who's going to be walking in like the Colts a couple of years ago who had a 500 season and then all of a sudden have the most cap space in the NFL. That's not going to happen. Jared Goff is still on a ridiculous contract. And in the next year or two, you have to sit there and go, now we've got to look to pay Amon Ross St. Brown. Now we have to look a year after that to paying guys like Aiden Hutchinson. Now we have to, so you have to financially think ahead of time the way that a lot of NFL teams aren't. And I think if you're confident you're going to take a running back and a linebacker in the first round with two first round picks, you should at least look to try to trade back a couple of times and maybe pick up a, a third here or a fourth in a next year draft or a couple of sixes where you can just continue to interject your team with a young talent there um, across the board. But let's hop into Detroit's schedule. The Detroit Lions are. Go ahead. Can I interject real quick? Go ahead. Oh, yeah. One of my one of my worst worst draft takes was the two thousand or uh, twenty twenty one Packers draft. Correct, Eric Stokes. Those yes. guys. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. The exact words I said on that draft was, "I like the guys they drafted, just not when they drafted them." Just wanted, just those are those are some words of warning for you, Brady. Just wanted to let you know. Said the exact same things for one of my worst takes ever. 
That's fair. And like, and I, and I think a large part of the, re- the shit we gave you was how hard you went in specifically on Eric Stokes on Sto- and yeah, then yeah, had yeah. Eric Stokes play really well. I'm not yeah, saying no. like, I don't think, I think Jameer Gibbs, I think Jack Campbell, I think Sam Lepard, I think Brian Branch, I think these guys are going to play good for Detroit. But there's always going to be that little what if. There's always going to be that like, if in a year what or if? two, Detroit isn't as good as we thought they were, what could they have done if they had yeah. had a little bit extra draft capital or if they'd maybe taken this guy instead of that guy, if Detroit had maybe said, Hey, I've got some older tackles right now or older left tackle. I have uh, a starting guard. Who's pretty hurt. Maybe I reinvest in that offensive line or maybe, you know, if Amon Ross St. Brown goes down, Detroit's wide receiver room looks vastly different Mm -hmm. than it does right now. Right. So, so there's, there's areas where I think Detroit could have bitten bullets in other places, but that's always the problem with drafts is that you're, you're biting a bullet, right? You're drafting a guy and then everybody else that you have on your draft board, you're hoping 31 other teams don't like as much as you do, which in oh, it, yeah. in and of itself is a huge red flag, right? <laughs> like, yeah. like you're hoping that nobody else likes this guy as much as you like this guy. So let's start with our um, uh, schedule preview here. The Detroit Lions are kicking the season off. They're the first game of the year, not because they won the Super Bowl, but because of the hype that's around the Detroit Lions. They're going to travel to Kansas City to play the reigning champs in Arrowhead. Uh, a banner drop doesn't that just seem like such a game detroit would spoil like yeah, kansas city no, celebrating exactly. nobody's expecting detroit to do anything but they're well, gonna at least, follow- at least kansas city fans aren't expecting detroit to do anything yes Everyone else true. might be sitting there waiting for detroit to do anything and then kansas city is gonna be like wait what this team is good yeah right um they're then gonna come home for back-to-back games against seattle and atlanta before going to green bay home against carolina at tampa bay at baltimore back home against the raiders before a bye week they then travel to la to take on the chargers back home against chicago and green bay before going to new orleans and then at chicago again so they'll play the bears twice in four weeks there follow that stretch up home against Denver, at Minnesota, at Dallas, and close the season back home against Minnesota. So just like last year previously, Detroit plays five divisional games to uh, almost close out the season. Um, They have like five of eight, five of their last eight games are uh, in division. Three of them are at home. So nine and eight last year, Mitch, how do you think Detroit's going to do in 2023? So I have the Lions going 10 and seven. And with my hot take, winning the NFC North with that record. Um, just you know, to start off with their schedule, obviously they're playing in the NFC North. It's it's kind of weak at the moment, so that's very advantageous to them. Uh, getting to play the NFC South, which is a weaker division, obviously helps them as well. And there's other winnable games from other other divisions and so on and so forth. Um, but you know, looking at the roster, I. I like it. I think that it's definitely doable for them. Uh, as I said, Jared Goff has progressed into a really good, into a solid quarterback. Uh, the running game, even though it might take a down tick, it's still good enough. Like Skyler said, if, if David Montgomery is able to be healthy, he's a very solid running back. The offensive line, like I've, I've said, I think it's one of the better ones in the league. And even though Jamison Williams will be suspended, I, I think that the combination of Amon Ross, St. Brown, Josh Reynolds, and Marvin Jones Jr. can get the job done. Um, and now that they've added Sam Laporta, you can get some production from that tight end position. And I think they've done a good job of addressing some of the shortcomings with the defense. So I think all together, this is a good team. And I think they're going to win the North at 10 and 7. What seed do you have them at? They're probably the fourth uh, seed. I have right? them. Yes, they are the fourth seed. So they'll host a playoff game for the first time since like 1993 or something. Well, Mitch, I hate that you stole my hot take, um, but I'll one up you. And I have them going 11 and six. Um, mm. I I do think that this schedule does benefit them. Um, I think it's the physical kind of like like Brady said at the beginning of the episode. Um, you can win or lose a season based on how you play in division. Um, the fact that they went five and one in division, I don't see them going much worse than that. Um, something that we haven't really talked about in this episode is the NFC North is wide open um, with Green Bay having a brand new quarterback. And I mean, there are some really good pieces around him that could result in Green Bay doing better than expected. Um, I think most of us, we all have them kind of in the same range of like 10 and seven ish. Yeah. Yeah. Me and Brady have them at 10 and seven. I have them making the playoffs. 
Uh, Brady doesn't. Uh, Mitch has him at eight and nine. Um, but this gives the I I mean we we're we're all expecting the Pack, Packers to take a step back at least in terms of competing for the division. Um, Minnesota is definitely going to take a step back after losing after losing Devlin Cook and some of the other pieces on on defense that they've had. Um, they've had to like completely and totally revamp their defense. Chicago was never competing for the division to begin with. And so now it's kind of wide open. Anyone can take the divisional crown with Detroit showing such strength in division last year. Um, that the specific brand of football that Dan Campbell wants to play is going to give them the stamina and the ability to make those late season runs. And like Mitch said, also, they had their their cross their cross uh division uh conference rhino uh conference uh games are against the NFC South. The NFC South is probably the weakest division in football right now. Yes, you open up that week, it's gonna you're gonna struggle going to Kansas City on that Thursday night game. Um, but you get you know Seattle at home, you get um Atlanta at home, you you um your away game like the probably the toughest away game besides Kansas City. Is going to Baltimore. Um, other than that, you don't really have to travel that much until the end of the season when you have to go against Dallas. Um, you get some you get some most of your tough opponents at home. Um, if and they're scheduled, and that's just on a schedule that doesn't really have that many tough opponents. Like they beat these teams last year. They can and these they can beat Carolina, they can beat Atlanta, um, they can definitely beat Las Vegas and you know, Chicago, they should probably sweep. So like these are these are some these are some wins. They just have to beat the opponents that they should beat. That gets them to eleven and six. Um, that would be good enough for the three seed in me for me in my playoffs. Um, in terms of how I'm predicting it to go, but I mean I don't see a reason why, um, Detroit shouldn't be, um, competing for the NFC North. Um, I think they have the best returning, uh, production and um. That running back position, I I I think we'll, we'll get to my hot take, uh, my my backup hot take. Um, I think they'll be fine there. Uh, but Jared Goff, if he keeps progressing the way that he has, um, if his offensive line keeps doing good things, I mean, like Brady said, twenty six sacks allowed last year. That's twenty three. Like twenty three. That's like unheard of for Detroit. So if they can keep Jared Goff protected, if they can, um, and then again from their additions to the secondary, it, there's no way that they're going to be last again. Like, I just, I can't see it. Um, so if they just return back to the mean, return back to normal, this is a playoff team. This this team with that schedule is 11 and 6. Um, I have them going 10 and 7. I have them winning the NFC North. Um, okay. And as you at guys will, uh, yes, at the four seed, as you guys will find out, um, I, I have three NFC North teams finishing 10 and 7, and it all comes down to overall tiebreakers. Um, my thing is, is that, the front half of Detroit's schedule looks fairly easy. You know, you get three NFC South teams. Um, you get uh, uh, the Raiders, who are coming off of a bad year. And really, your two toughest games in the first part of that schedule are your first two games, Kansas City and Seattle. Those last nine games, though, when they come out of the bye week, has the sneaky possibility to be extremely difficult for Detroit, right? Let's not forget. This is a Detroit team that went three and six against playoff teams last year. They play seven playoff teams this year. Five of those seven playoff teams happen those last nine games of the season. So we haven't talked about the Chargers yet, but when we do, the Chargers have made some big improvements. Chicago, you know, looks decent in preseason here so far. They've added some key pieces. Green Bay is a little bit of a toss-up. Detroit or Minnesota beat Detroit once last year. It was the only divisional game Detroit lost. Um, the Saints are a team that all of us are a lot higher on than they finished last year. And you have Dallas in the mix there, Denver as well, right? That has the possibility to be a sneaky, difficult schedule. That has a possibility where if Detroit stumbles and falls, if that rushing defense is back to being as bad as it was last year, because again, the passing defense got all the marks. Their rushing defense was bottom of the league also. So if Austin Eckler or Aaron Jones, or Javante Williams, or whoever Minnesota or Dallas is walking out there with, uh, goes out and, and runs through the Detroit defense, doesn't matter how much they've put into that secondary, because they're still going to struggle to get off of the field. Um, 
10 and 7, though, all, all in all, I think they do take care of business and division. I think that they're at least 4 and 2. Um, I don't know who exactly they sweep. It'll most likely be Chicago. You know, fingers crossed they can split the season series with Green Bay at the, at the very least. Um, Minnesota, I think they have the potential to split the series as well. But Detroit, 3 and 6 against playoff teams last year. Fewer playoff teams this year that they have to play so far, but they have to get those numbers pumped up. They've got to be able to go 3 and 4 or 4 and 3 in division. And then, just like the boys said, they've got to win the games they're supposed to. Detroit had the ability to do that last year when they played Carolina, and they didn't. So can they change that? If Detroit starts the season off with another bad stretch, if Seattle and Kansas City goes poorly and that tumbles into those NFC South games, and Detroit starts the year 2-4 and four or 3-5, and five, this back half of the schedule gets a lot harder for them than it looks right now. So... Mitch, um, big prediction for the Detroit Lions in 2023. What do you got? Well, they win the division, uh, Brady. Yeah, uh, my hot take is they win the division, like you said before. Gotcha. Didn't know if you had any other ones. Skyler, what's yours? Uh, Jameer Gibbs has over 1,500 yards from scrimmage. 1,500 scrimmage yards. Oof. Okay. Um. I really don't know if I have one. Okay, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it this time. Um, the Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions not only win the division um, for the first time ever, they also win their first playoff game since 1990, whatever three or 91 or something like that. Um, I think that if they're able to get that four seed, it'll be a tougher, obviously, opponent. But getting them, getting to play them in Detroit, if they get that home playoff game, the Lions really have a shot. You know. It's crazy that in all the Matthew Stafford years, he only had a couple of playoff appearances, but they never got a home playoff game. Um, they've played they played some quality opponents on the road there. Um, this is if Detroit can be dominant at home, if they can clinch the division and get a home playoff game, I think Detroit can very easily take care of whoever that five seed is. Unless it's like a fucking 13 win Dallas team who's only the five seed because Philadelphia won 14. You know, yeah. like like unless it's some bullshit like yeah. that. But um all right, Mitch, if you had to pick one factor, one thing that's going to make or break the Detroit Lions in 2023, what would it be? I think it's going to be the cornerback room. Uh, we talked about it already last year. You know, the past defense was a big reason why they weren't able to take the next step and make it to the playoffs. So uh, they made a lot of good additions. You know, right now it looks like it would be Emmanuel Mosley, Cameron Sutton, and C.J. Gardner-Johnson as their cornerback uh, starter. So, you know, they just need to play up to how they have been in past seasons and uh, get the cornerback room to respectable so they're able to, you know, win the NFC North, make the playoffs, maybe win a, a playoff game like Brady said. Um, if there's a injury like Emmanuel Mosley right now is still on QB, that's something to monitor. Or if some of these guys are guys or whatever, so uh, then I feel like they're just going to be stuck to where they were last year. Did you need to stop going with for me? <laughs> uh, okay, so I'm going to say Jameson Williams, or uh, Denzel Mims, uh, Marvin Jones Jr. Uh, one of those guys needs to step up uh, as a receiver this year, especially. Um, I mean, Jameson Williams is suspended for those first couple games. Um, but one of those guys needs to step up uh, across from Amon Ross St. Brown. Um, to really kind of be that second wide receiver, that second, second productive person in this game, in this offense, um, because they need that you can't just have uh, Amon Ross and Brown because then teams can zero in on it and then they can take away that threat. Um, it was part of the reason why we were so why why we all questioned why they traded away T.J. Hawkinson is because that was their only other threat. Um, and then they were able to be productive that way. So hopefully, again, that they can still be productive, but especially with, you know, having Jameer Gibbs and um, uh, David Montgomery in the backfield, that two running backs that are new to the team, one of these guys needs to step up and be able to um, get some production on that offensive side. I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't think we've named a coach here in a while. I'm going to go with defense coordinator Aaron Glenn. Um, there's no excuses now for him, 
right? Like they've invested an incredible amount of draft capital on that defensive side of the ball. They even invested a ton of cap space capital into the defensive side of the ball. This was a guy who was 32nd in total yards given up, 32nd in uh, first downs given up, 30th in passing yards, 23rd in passing touchdowns, 29th in rushing yards and rushing touchdowns, 30th in yards per rush, 28th in average time per drive, 29th in plays, last in yards and second to last in points per drive given up. There's no excuse anymore, right? Like it's no, we can't just sit there and be like, oh, well, Aiden Hutchinson is a rookie because now we've seen what he could do in his rookie year. Oh, well, James Houston, you know, came up out of nowhere. He's he's playing that good because he's that good. Is he playing that good because he's that good? Because teams were overcompensating for Aiden Hutchinson. Oh, well, you spent all this money on the safety position, a cornerback. You've invested draft capital. Fair, fine, great, awesome. If Detroit's defense is not at least top 50%, they might struggle this year. Like, just straight up, you know? It's a weird thing to say that for a team that almost made the playoffs with such a terrible defense last year that it could end up being the thing that kills them if they're not incredibly better. But teams catch on to you real quick. Teams catch on to the type of offense you're running, to what to do really quick. And unfortunately, this defense is built on a house of cards on paper right now, where if one of those key secondary pieces or Jack Campbell or Aiden Hutchinson goes down for an extended period of time, that defense as a whole looks a lot weaker. The reason they look good right now is because we're looking at them as a whole. Because on paper, that's what they are. Now, I know Emmanuel Mosley's hurt a little bit, but they drafted, they picked up so many secondary pieces that it's okay to be down, you know, one guy who played 30% of snaps last year, right? But if Hutchinson, Campbell, Gardner Johnson, one of those guys goes down for six plus weeks, or God forbid, a, a good amount of the season, this defense has some real issues with it. So it's going to come down, in my opinion, to Aaron Glenn. Can he get his guys in shape? Can he keep them aggressive? Can he. Uh, get the defense to work because if this is if this doesn't work out if the defense falls back to being 25th or worse in a lot of these statistical categories i looking at what production they lost on the offensive side of the ball i i really worry that detroit might not live up to our expectations and for a franchise that historically has not been good at living up to expectations it would be a crushing thing to watch detroit have another bad season so i'm gonna put it on aaron glenn now, with that being said, that's going to wrap up our Detroit Lions episode. We appreciate you guys for tuning in. Follow us on, on Twitter, on Spotify, uh, Google Pod, or yeah, Google Podcasts, Facebook, the whole nine yards. Email us your guys' thoughts. Mitch, who do we have next? Is it Tampa Bay? Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay. We're going to keep it in the NFC and wrap up our NFC South. We've already talked about the Panthers, the uh, uh, Saints, and the um, other guys. Um, Panthers. I already said Panthers. Falcons, Falcons, yeah. Um, We appreciate you guys for tuning in. Um, Have a fantastic night, everybody.